Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South Cat Syndicate Podcast. Yo, this is the South Cat Syndicate Podcast with Jared Ketterman and Kyle Voss in the house. All right, man, what a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. We're doing this in the morning, kind of, today versus... We're a little off schedule, but little uh, schedule, the post schedule will stay the same. Hopefully it doesn't mess with us too much. On your vacation? Yeah, so Where are you at, going? I'll be out of town next week, going to Fripp. Fripp Island. Oh, Fripp, the beauty of the South. Coast of South Carolina. Greatest state in the United States. That's right, baby. That's right. <clears throat> so we've got an uh, interesting topic today. Today we will be doing... Uh, we'll be touching on side hustles, the ones that we have done, the ones we would like to see done, the ones uh, that uh, we hope you've done and you can share with us, and some of the successes and failures from some of those That's side right. hustles. That's right. Some of the challenges that come with a side hustle. What's your definition, your true, define side hustle? Uh, I, I, would, I would kind of define it as maybe something you do that's not your full-time gig that maybe you want to be your full-time gig at some point, right? Sure. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people, that's what their side hustle ends up being. They're in the corporate world. They're, they're doing the day-to-day. They're clocking in and out, and they don't want to be there forever. So they start a side hustle hoping that maybe one day they can transition away from. So is it because they don't like their job? Is it because they want a new four-wheeler? Is it because they're, it, does it always have to base around um, security and revenue, or can side hustles be? I'm really passionate about planting gardens, and so I'm going to tell people how to plant gardens or whatever the content or product. I maybe. think it has less to do with short term goals, like a four wheeler, mm-hmm. and more to do with a long term deal. If you like to plant gardens and you feel like you can make a living with a blog or whatever at some point, and it's really what you love to do, that'd be the dream job. Sure. So you start that in hopes that you can transition out of a normal nine to five into so financial security uh, would you say probably the the number one reason people start that or not financial security more financial freedom freedom there you go to do what they love the security comes in the day job that yeah. has their insurance their benefits their you know this is why i go to work that's right type of thing. that's right and, and i think that's what we're going to find too in this in this podcast as we talk about some of these side hustles that we've tried they weren't necessarily what we loved, mm-hmm. you know, or at least for me, it wasn't necessarily something I loved. I just felt like, oh man, this is, you know, this is a good, this is a good gig. I can make some good money. I don't know that I ever looked at them as it'll be the end. Like I'm going to transition and do this and that'll be it. I think for me, it wasn't a short term thing. Like I didn't want a full wheeler or whatever, but I felt like, man, if I can, you know, make a couple extra grand a month mm-hmm. to invest mm-hmm. property, you know, whatever it is, maybe that'll get me to where I want to be. What was your first side hustle? Not in your adult life. If you were a kid, oh, do you remember? Yeah, man. Middle school, I was out in California. Uh, we had a middle school I went to had a um, was it Safeway, I think is what it was called. It's a grocery store in California. And um, before I went to school, I'd go over there, buy Cokes and candy, bring them to school, and then I'd sell them out of my locker until the school didn't. Didn't really appreciate, didn't appreciate it. it. Yeah, which I don't know why. I mean, that's because you took from the booster club, the band club, and the we, cheerleading we club. We didn't have right? none of that, and they weren't selling nothing during the day. I think it was the fact that I was, I had a business and, and I didn't they, have a permit, you know, type of, you know, not necessarily, but they were just felt like I was making money on their watch. School and, system. I know. Public and they, school system. My thing is, 
they should have been teaching us that. They should have embraced it. Yes. And then asked you to speak to your classmates. Exactly. On how easy it is That's to right. do a side hustle. That's right. And at the time, man, I was making, I was making okay money. I had a paper route too at one point, which was, uh, gosh, I think I was like 12 years old or something. I'd get up earlier on my bike, toss papers. When you know, print was relevant. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's throw, right. Back, throw back to the last episode. That's right. What was crazy about that was that I worked for the San Jose Mercury News, which is a huge publication. And um, half of my route paid their bill direct. I don't know if it was a direct deposit or they just they sent them a bill and they paid it online or whatever. The rest of it had to be collected by me. Well, the, the half that paid it online paid my, what I owed. Because, you know, paper route is like your own little business. Like they deliver. So it's the, like a snap-on route or a bread route. Yeah, I mean. You kind of get your own little territory, your route. You get your territory and gotcha. you, got, you have a guy that's kind of over you, but you have to pay for the paper, papers. You mm-hmm. get a discounted rate. And then you charge your customer a rate, right? That's not like the Mercury News was just cutting me a check based on how many people I had. Like, it was my own little business. Like, if I didn't go collect the money, I didn't have it. That's right. You know, and when it came time to pay for those papers, I had to pay for them. The good thing for me was that the direct billing or whatever paid for all my papers. So the collection was just 100% cash flow for me is what it felt like. Back then, I didn't know what. Before you knew what cash flow was. Yeah, the downfall, though, is I was 12 years old, so when I need the money, I just go collect. And then when I had enough to do what I need to do, I just, worry about I just quit collecting. <laughs> so then it got to where I'd go to people's houses and be like, hey, Miss Jones, um, I didn't collect from you last month, so you owe me two months this month. And so then I needed even less people to collect from to get what I needed. And I ended up to, hey, Mr. So-and-so, uh, I didn't collect the last three months from you. I, you know. So anyway... You know, I'd go collect 10 houses, make 100 bucks, dude. I thought I was rich. Oh, God. You know, and then the next, you know, whatever. So, and I just did that for like a summer. It was pretty intense. I ended up moving, which would have been a great job. Or, you know, as a kid, it would have been a great job. I ended up moving away from that and had to go up the route. But so that was probably maybe one of my first hustles. We used to ride around the block, wash cars for money. Had a little red wagon I'd tow behind my bicycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Can't do that out here. That's one thing about this about the country that the kids miss out on is that city life where you can just go door to door. Yeah. And it's easy. And maybe in our own city limits of of that, there are neighborhoods, right? So they yeah. they if they live, have the opportunity to live in a neighborhood, there are options right, there. Right. And usually those neighborhoods are small communities that want to support your neighbor's son who's coming up and whatever. But yeah. So it's, I was always a hustler though. I mean, when we did like the candy sales in school, dude, I was killing it. I was beating everybody. So I did a very similar thing. And it might have been, yeah, middle school, fourth or fifth grade. I don't know. Uh, But I would buy cooler pencils than what the teachers had. That was the yellow number two pink eraser. You know, we could go to uh, TG&Y and and get Garfield pencils. Yeah. Come on. Yep. Who don't want a Garfield pencil? The big eraser on it. That's right. So it was the same exact process. But... um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't even remember how much, or I just remember doing that. And then what did that transfer into in high school? <laughs> <laughs> it transferred into a different side hustle. <laughs> anyway, um, but it's funny we talk about being, you know, that was an entrepreneur. 
the pencils, the yeah. Coke and candy bars, the paper route. And it's funny, there's always been entrepreneurs since day one of yeah. building America, right? But entrepreneurship was not cool. It wasn't even, I don't even know that people, I don't even know there was a name for it that people used. Yeah, I'm just doing it by myself. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm just, yeah. there was no terminology like startup, entrepreneur, That's right. hustle, yeah. side gig. It yeah. was you did or you didn't. Yeah. And if you did that kind of stuff, you're actually looked down on a little bit, mm-hmm. especially if you're older. Who made entrepreneurship cool? Oh, Gary Vee. Was it? Well, because there, it was cool before. It, it was cool before in small channels, but I think he brought it to the forefront where everybody felt like they wanted to be that. Maybe. And, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because not everybody's cut out for it. But the good lesson, I think, with like what we went through in school was that we figured out that all business is about the margin in between what you buy and what you sell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. That's right. You know, and some deals kind of work differently. You know, real estate, for, for example, you're not really paying for it yourself. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's, you know, you're borrowing from the bank and then you're, you're basically letting somebody else pay for mm-hmm. it for you. And then you're taking a little piece off top That's of right. that if you do it right. Mm-hmm. So everything, you could literally, you could literally boil down any business to your pencil business. Yeah. I buy in bulk here. I sell them one at a time for yeah. a little bit of margin, right? Margin, profit margin, none of that was in my head. It was like I paid 10 cents. I need at least 15. Yeah. I need to make a little, but I don't know that well, I ever sat down actually and just, I never papered anything out. The first the first memory I have of that, I grew up on a farm. And uh, for my birthday one year, my dad gave me a cow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I don't have to pay it. At that time, the cow might have been worth 800 bucks. I don't know. Somebody else is feeding it. So this is at our farm. And so dad said, I'm going to give you a cow, but I'm going to make you hold a ledger. Like, I'm going to tell you what my feed costs are, what uh, my time is to take care of your cow, and then we're going to deduct because you're going to pay me to do that. And then whenever you're ready, when it could be next week or six months from now, whenever you're ready, we're going to sell that cow. And at the end of the day, we're going to look at, look at your numbers. See if you're in the red or the black. Yeah. Well, then I figured out that the cow could have another cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so my cow had a, a baby cow, right? So my cow turned 100% profit right off the bat, yeah. right? And had a calf. And that that was the business. That was, what, that was the... That, I was hooked, that was so the thing to speak. That, yeah. And see, and I think everybody needs to experience it. I think that's part of the problem with with the young kids now is that they're not necessarily learning that. There's no... To me, that takes... There's a, there's a level of thinking that has to happen in that process that is kind of outside the box, right? And if mm-hmm. all you're taught is in the box, sometimes kids miss out on that, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know how you fix that. I don't know. It starts from parenting. Maybe so. But not, you know, some parents aren't that themselves. They're well, not. then it starts with your own own research, right? Because yeah. I, I think that there is a responsibility of parents. I'm not yeah. saying that every parent has to build a new, a new entrepreneur. That's right. not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying is there's a a responsibility for parents to say, have you thought about this? Yeah. Well, yeah. What about this? Educate the ways of the world, whether they use them or not. At least know how things work. Mm -hmm. That's like Lawton. You know, she talks. Me and her talk about her new bank account and this, that, and everything. And I get into those conversations like, what does the bank do with your money when you give it to them? Mm -hmm. You know, because most people don't even think about it. They just what's what is your savings account actually earning every year? Yeah, not earn, not necessarily earning because that's that's a numbers game, which is easier to teach. But like, how old is Lawton now? She's sixteen. Gotcha. So like, when you give them a hundred bucks, 
What happens with $100? Does it sit in a little vault that has Lawton on it? Oh, I see. They put an envelope? Like, I want them to think, because it's not something that most people would think about. That's right. She's like, I don't know what they do with it. Well, they lend it to other people for exactly. way more money than That's they're right. paying you to have it. That's right. right. I said, you give them 100 bucks, they give it to somebody else, and they charge that person for that money. Has Lawton got her own side hustle yet? Oh, you know, and I've, well, as she kind of grew up, I tried to get her interested in things. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tried to start Voskalos. I, I remember that. So that was uh, going to be like a, like a lip gloss thing that she was going to do. We were testing brands, doing all kinds of stuff. She was young. I was kind of pushing it on her a little bit. Uh, she tried the YouTube thing for a little while. But, yeah, no, she just doesn't, doesn't have any interest. You're okay with that? You know, there's a level of, like, you don't want to push them too much. In my eyes, like I, sure. I give her books. I don't read. have kids, so I, this yeah. is a one-sided conversation. So it's like the time will come, you know, when she's when she gets out of. I think what'll have to happen is when she gets out of school, she wants to be a physical therapist. So then maybe that's when Dad steps in. It's like, hey, you could work for them, or we could start your own practice. Let me help you, mm-hmm. right? Or you, you know, you're making pretty good money over there. What do you, you know? Why don't you take some of that money and go put it in something else? That, that can let it build on itself. So, I mean, she has an investment account. So I've created her TD Ameritrade account. We buy stocks. She makes 300 bucks. I make her give me 100 of it. We invest it. She can spend the rest. Oh, cool. And then she has access to that account. She can kind of see what it does. She kind of gets, you know, how it works. Usually we invest in stocks that pay dividends. So, sure. you know, it's growing itself. But, you know, it's like those little TT moments that I try to at least plant the seed. And then, one day, when her and I are having a conversation when she's a little bit older, even my little one, same way, then it'll make sense. Remember, hey, remember when we used to do this back then? We used to talk about that or how the mm-hmm. bank would take your money. So it's just planting those seeds at this point. So this dividend stock is her side hustle, so to speak. She, it, just, she just doesn't know it. She just doesn't know it, yeah. She can look in there and see you know, if it's up, down, how much she's made. Sure. Um, she kind of gets the gist of how it works. Like every every three months, they're going to pay you for holding that stock. Mm-hmm. And then well, the way I have it set up is it automatically buys more shares of that same stock. And I said, then the next month, guess what? The, much, the amount they pay you is going to be more because you're holding more of it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to take that and they're going to buy more stock with it. You're not even doing anything. It's going to grow. And each time incrementally, it's going to go up the amount that they pay you, which is going to buy you more stock. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a slow, slow way to go. I kind of wish my dad would have. My dad was really good financially, but he never made it past the save portion. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, you got some money, let's put it in the savings account. And I guess back then, too, in the 80s, you could get a halfway decent return on your savings account. But if I'd have have known back then that you could put that in the market, dude, we'd be having a different conversation We wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. We'd be somewhere in Costa Rica. We might be sitting here right now. (laughs) We might be sitting here doing this, but in Costa Rica. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Somewhere else. No, I think there's a there's a value lesson there. I, I, how many times do you hear people say, "Man, if I'd have known then." Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be in the seat that you're in today if, if you you'd have done it different. Yeah. It might have crashed out. It might, you know. Yeah. I think there's a reason we don't we can't go backwards. That's why so, the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield. That's right. It's got to focus look at where you're going and not right. where you came from or came back. Well, because you can't change what's back. That's right. You. So. Side hustle wise, what kind of experiences have you had 
other than like school? Sure. Um, you know, I, I came from a, a small corporate background for 15 years, and I knew that I didn't want to work for the man, you know. As cool and as educational as that was, that was my day job. Um, my passion then was playing music. I was like, oh, okay, let's go record an album. And, and then I did everything backwards. Yeah, you know, as we all do. I recorded an album. I bought a bus. Yeah. And I put a band together. And I booked a gig. <laughs> I did totally backwards. Yeah, but you already had money by then. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Right? Through, because, uh, you know, corporate job paid really well yeah. at that time. So it was, you know, there wasn't much to do in the Midwest. So it's like, okay, let's do something cool. Yeah. Um, from, I wouldn't even call it a financial side hustle. It was a, I'm going to do this while, while we can. Right. You know, and let's just go experience it. I think it's important for people to go outside of their comfort zone and do all this stuff, right? Yep. Man, I because I can talk the basics of recording. I can talk the basics of touring. I can talk the basics of corporate. I can, like, my box is just, like, overflowing with useful, but uh, yeah. no expert on but any. it's all through experience. That's right. So yep. music was a side hustle, um, but not financially. It was more of a passion side hustle. And then. But you learned a ton through that, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of, Even in business. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And then um, when I left corporate and came home, my side hustle actually was to buy commercial real estate. Like, that's not who I was or yeah. what I wanted to do. But I saw an opportunity, and I was like, oh, I'll just buy that little building. It'll be a side hustle. Well, that— Well, you knew you had a gig, too, at the time that you didn't know how long it was going to last, right? That's right. That's right. And so you were kind of looking for somewhere to put your money. That's right. As an investment— yeah. For long term, just in case. Yeah, so side hustles for me today. I guess the real estate locally and you know, I think I'm in two two different counties now and two small town three small towns. Yeah. That's probably more than I would define as a side hustle. Yeah. Um, but side hustles for me current would be um, you know, when your network is, is so big, right, and your your reach is so big and it's all over the country. The emails that come in uh, read like, hey, take a look at this pitch deck. Let me know if you're interested. Yeah. Or let me know if you know anybody that's interested. So side hustles for me now are vetting through some of those pitch decks and pitching them to the appropriate person that I think would be interested in and then taking a back end. Yeah. Right. Either a one-time commission or a one to three percent of their equity invested for finding the deal. Right. Things like that. that, you're, would, that you're looking at a deal hustle. now that would be technically a side hustle that's not real estate. Right? Uh, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if you talk right. about that or not. Uh, we can't get into the name of the numbers, but yeah. So the deal came in. The owner of the company said, hey, you know, I've got, it's really hard to talk about and not yeah. talk about we're just, it. We can skip yeah. over that. So Jared and I have actually started some side hustles in the, in the past. Um, yeah. One currently still booming. The apparel company. South oh, county. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, but we have we have done some ones that I mean yeah. we go all in on the front, yeah, and then it just fall apart. So let's talk about tubular for a okay. second. All right, that's one. So tubular music. Tell them why we started that. So I came to Jared. So the, so for anybody watching or listening that doesn't know, I I'm what you I guess I don't know I guess a YouTuber anyway. Definitely, I have, I have a YouTube channel based around fabrication. You know, motorsports fabrication. Um, I've grown a decent following on there. And one of the things I found was that there was no place. So YouTube is really strict about music and whether you have the rights to use that music or not. 
And uh, one of the things I found was you can't go get that music anywhere. And if you do, it's it's really expensive to buy the rights to it. And then YouTube still kind of gives you a problem and you have to produce licenses and all the stuff that goes with it. And I just didn't want to fool with that. And the worst thing that can happen is you get a video. <clears throat> it's gaining a ton of traction. Right. You know, 100,000 views, and yep. then they, they get it red flagged because you didn't have the rights to a yeah. certain song. Well, what they did was they changed it to where the the owner of the rights to the music um, has basically is can take half of the revenue from those videos, which is, you know, rightfully so. You're using their music. Mm-hmm. It's part of the content. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, as, as a content creator, you're like, man, I spend this all this time to create this video in hopes that I could make some revenue on it. And I just put that song on there and now they get half. Well, I can tell you that the process that you put in your video, the musician is also a content creator. I and get, it's a I, lot of work. I get that. So. I, I totally get that. Uh, so anyway, long story short, I was like, Jerry, man, there's an opportunity here. I knew he was a musician in the music industry, had a bunch of connections, knew all the ins and outs. <clears throat> Me being the YouTube guy, I was on the other side of that. And I felt like there was an opportunity in between where I see so many struggling artists who can't get their music out heard. They can't get it heard, mm-hmm. right? So that's usually, in my eyes, that's the biggest thing for a brand new artist. They're making great content. They're, you know, they've but no platform. To they've, just... Right, they've put it out there. They're making a little bit, but the money comes in the masses in music. And so I was like, hey, you think that we could create something where new artists could basically submit their music as copyright-free music to be used on the pl- on a platform. YouTubers then come along, take that music, and have it be royalty-free mm-hmm. and use it, but have to give credit to the musician. So to be twofold, the, the, the YouTubers can use this music and not have to worry about paying for it, but you also get the exposure for the artist who has their music on that stuff. I mean, all would take a couple of viral videos, Boom. And you know what's crazy about this? This is what you see happening on TikTok right now. Mm-hmm. All these big, all these artists, these huge songs are coming out right now because of TikTok. There's a TikTok radio channel. Yes. On Sirius or XM. I don't remember which. But, but it's you a get, whole station of TikTok music. Yeah. You get a song on TikTok that people love and want to make dances to or whatever they do, you will be number one. Yeah. You'll be the next guy. And so it's almost the exact same thing. Those musicians are putting that music on TikTok in hopes that it goes big like that. And we did this pre-TikTok. We did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, you know what's crazy is a lot of stuff we do. It seems like we do pre-whatever. Yeah. We never <laughs> follow through. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so we created a platform that did just that. Basically, there was a, a musician background uh, back end where they could upload their music. There was a YouTuber back end where they go in there, pull the music from it, mm-hmm. uh, download that. You know, we had all kinds of things they had to agree to. It's crazy because when I say we went all in on the front, yeah, I mean we had, we had our built- music attorney based out of downtown yep. Nashville. It was built out. He went through it. We created the LLC. We had the bank accounts in place. And what we didn't do really is we didn't do a proof of concept. Like we had a few artists that would give you content. Matt Poss, right, yeah. was a huge uh, opportunity for us to really throw. And he was like, "Oh yeah, take it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down. Let's go." And um, so we used some of his music, but there was real no proof of concept. Sent out a couple emails. It it worked good, and I think we could have grew it. The problem we ran into were there was a couple little snafus that we ran into along along the way. 
Uh, one of those being that most of these, most of these artists use another company to, to distribute their music. Mm-hmm. Uh, CD, CD Baby, Baby. you know, mm-hmm. I don't know them. Well, those, those companies, can ba- they basically search the webs to see if that music is being used, and then they go and collect that money for it. Yeah, what's funny is or, when, or when, collect an, the when an artist has a completed album or a completed song, and he's like, oh, I want it on Spotify. And he goes through CDX or CBaby or whoever is, is printing those CDs. Do you agree to these terms? Click. Yeah. Nobody reads that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In those terms, right. they say, we are also going to upload this to this, 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 and this on, under our name. It's and, all there. Yeah, basically they're saying we have the rights to this uh-huh. on the interwebs. Uh-huh. That's right. And so you can get an artist that gives you a song and says, hey, you know, you can use this copyright free, but they've already distributed that through CD Baby and it's all over everywhere else. And then CD Baby comes after you and says, hey, you don't have the rights to use this. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like going back to the artist trying That's to figure great. that out. Mm-hmm. And the YouTubers, luckily we kind of got it early. But they were like, hey, I thought this stuff was copyright free. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming back to us, and then we're having to go to the artist. Or so, should have done as caught artist before yes. distribution. Right. Or, or you know, that have one song. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead and release your album, but give us one song that's not on that album. And we'll use it. Yeah. So we ran into some issues there that we did, I didn't think about because I didn't know that that's how that stuff worked. The other thing we ran into, too, was that musicians... Some some musicians don't understand the idea of of the exposure is more valuable than the sale of the song, and so a lot of them are like, no, I want to sell. I'm gonna release my album. I want to sell this album, and you know, say they sell a hundred of them, they're only making X amount of dollars. They're not getting the exposure because they're just selling to people who already know who they are. Really, they could give up that couple hundred bucks, give it to somebody like us. We could distribute that on a huge scale, much larger scale than they have, get new people, and then the next album you sell to them. That's right. But trying to convince a starving musician that... Tough. Tough. It's a tough yeah. sell. So we, it's like, what do you mean you want me to give away for free? So we just dissolved the whole thing. We never, yeah. we never tried to find a workaround, um, no. and it was time-consuming, but uh, I think it was a smarter play. Um, what, what, what's Mr. Won- a wonderful say... Uh, you need to take this behind the barn and shoot it. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're going to spend too much money trying See, to get I it. I don't know if it was a take take this behind the barn and shoot it because it wasn't. We didn't have like a huge burn rate. Oh, that's right. You know, we weren't. Spending we had attorney cost initially. We had front loading cost. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I think after we got everything set up and going, we were just paying for the host of the site. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, we a good play on that would maybe have been able to find somebody that that really could take that to the next level and just give them a ton, ton of equity in it and be like, here, run with it. Yeah, and we tried the uh, we tried the tailgater app. You know? We did. I forgot about that. Um, it was a – now it's, it's almost irrelevant. Right? Did we because buy Because you that? can find, find my friends. We didn't. Um, we just looked at it. We just looked at doing it, and it was a place to go. So we're really close to Clemson University from where we are recording. And so we're always at the football games. It's like, where are you at? Well, I'm in section E by the red truck. And it's like, yeah, and there's five trillion people there. <laughs> Good luck trying to find somebody. No doubt. So yeah. there was, an, you know, we're going to open your phone and you can see that. all your friends at the Clemson game and just walk to them. Yeah. Right. But now we have the ability to drop a pin. You can drop a pin. You can do it on Snapchat. Snapchat map. Yeah. And you, we were early see, to market. We I know. 
everything we early did. to market, and we just we, on yeah. that one we didn't take the next test. So we we reached out to a company that had the concept and the execu- execution was there. They didn't use it for tailgating, though, did they? We could make it better. Are they use it for tailgating? I think it was a tailgater app. I would have to search for it again. See? I'd recognize it, but yeah, we just didn't uh, didn't take it. Ideas look, and you hear this all oh, the yeah. time. Ideas are everywhere. Yeah, execution stops. That's right. You know, ideas the, ideas are worth nothing. That's exactly right. It's the execution that matters because Jared and I could sit down. We come up with ideas all day long. You're listening to an idea. Yeah, doesn't like, mean literally. This yeah. we had a conversation like let's start a podcast, and we've had this conversation. For a long time. Yeah. And finally, we're like, great, let's order all the equipment. So the story behind the podcast is that me and him love to sit down and just do what you see right here. Yeah. Without microphones, all this, we sit down with a beer, we talk ideas, we talk business stuff. We, we would never write anything down. No. We kind of just get those creative juices going, and we would we love to do that. And so we're like- We should have recorded that. We should great. Re- yeah. We should record this. Okay. Let's do it. We did. Uh, we started South Cack Apparel Company with me and you and George, and ended up I took that on, and okay. so it still exists. So SouthCack.com. If you want some cool hats and apparel, go check it That's out. Right. It's still relevant. It's still active, and uh, it is not retail. <laughs> like, it's it just is direct online. to consumer. It was retail for a while. It was still kind of is. It is Chattooga River Fly Shop and. On Highway 28 in Mountain Rest. Yeah. What about the South Cac? So South Cac Tap Room in yep. Pickens County has uh, some of the best wings in yep. Pickens, and uh, they have some apparel there. So Jared, so Jared and I, we Jared and I and George, we kind of started this uh, as a South Cac Pride Apparel type of deal, and we kind of had different visions of what we wanted to do. And so for him and I, and I wasn't even living here full time. I was still. From here, but still That's living right. in the Midwest, That's which right. really made it hard you, to work. You were getting ready to come back, though. You knew you were coming back. Yeah. But the struggle we had was that we both had our own ideas, and I already kind of had a following that I could sell to. And so I was like, look, dude, why, why don't you just take South CAC? I'll help you out with it. I'll get you know whatever you need. I'm just going to go start my own. It'll be easy for me to kind of sell to those folks that already follow me versus me trying to do a brand new parallel, Yeah. And so it worked out great for that reason. He ended up taking it a, a different way than we would have anyway. Right. And it worked great for the tap room and the outdoor store and yeah. all that stuff. So yeah. cool. And if you want to license the South CAC name, <laughs> call me South or CAC, email us at South CAC pod, South CAC pod at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll have a conversation. That's right. You got a South CAC commercial on the podcast. That's what you need. Hit the button. Yeah. Make it happen. That's right. So, and you can find uh, the South CAC brand on Instagram, Facebook, um, and the dot com itself, South CAC, C A C K dot com. So, let me ask you this. What do you think one of the biggest things people miss in a side hustle? And the only reason I ask you this is because I have an answer that I'll. I have an answer of my, my own. What is your answer? Well, I want to hear yours first. Like, we do, if someone if someone's creating a side hustle, mm-hmm. what, what's the biggest thing they miss? You think how much work it'll take? Okay, that's that's true. Not what I was thinking, but that is that. In my opinion, it's number one. Right, yeah. I can start a side hustle, but man, I had no idea yeah. it was going to take this much. T- it's not even money. This is much time. time, yeah, or 
effort. And yeah, if, you or want, if you don't have the effort, then don't start a side or hustle. Or m- money, if you if you don't want to put in the effort, it's going to cost you a ton of money. I had a friend of mine just started her own side hustle, right? And uh, so I think I need an employee for my side hustle. I was like, what time are you getting up? I don't know, around nine. Yeah. I was like, you don't need an employee. You need to get up earlier. Yeah. That's your wife. She just started a side hustle. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> she start, actually started a business. Oh, uh, so it's a legit business. Yeah, yeah. so that's a little But bit you different. guys had that business before. We were just, in that space. And you we'll, just opened it up to other people. And we'll have a podcast about uh, the Airbnb business. Um, yeah, Because be that's a lot of content. And I'm not going to say that we're experts in the room yeah. or in the field, but we'll certainly be experts in the room because we have done this at multiple locations. Yeah. Well, and, and it'll be that, really. That started as a side hustle. Yeah. So if real estate was my game. The lofts over Maine as an Airbnb was a side hustle that happened to be in the real estate that I already own. Yeah. But what's your answer for the question that you ask? People don't go big enough. Mm. So my my personal experience with side hustles is it's going to take you the same, pretty much the same amount of work no matter what you get into. You know, if your side hustle is like brokering mortgages or selling crafts, it's going to be the same amount of work. Why well, you said crafts, not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what you thought you were going to say, selling crack. Oh. And I'm like, that's not a viable side hustle, no. man. <laughs> crafts. So, you know, if you're like painting things or whatever, mm-hmm. or you're, you're, you're broker, brokering mortgages, one of them, they're going to take the same amount of work. One of them, you're going to make a lot more money and it could mm-hmm. actually be a viable mm-hmm. step out of whatever you're, without, without, you know, out of whatever you're in right now. And so I think people... Don't think big enough. I've been guilty of that many times over, and that's kind of why I say that. I mean, uh, you know, the photo booth business was kind of one of those deals for me. That's right. For people that don't know, right? So talk a little bit about the photo booth and what it was to parties and events, etc. So I guess, gosh, it's probably been 10 years. 2010 or 11 is the last time we had it at the lake house. So I decided I was going to – I went to a wedding – um, one time and they had a, and this was, this was kind of, they're pretty popular now, but this was kind of early in the deal. I had never seen one before. Um, they had a photo booth there, portable photo booth. You get in there, it takes your pictures, you know, with whoever you're with, they had uh, costumes and props and sure. all kinds of stuff. You get out and you get a strip of pictures. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is genius. Cause we had a blast with it. I mean, we had so sure. much fun and I'd never heard it before. And you know me, I'm like, Hmm. We don't have that where we yeah. are, so. This was a wedding in Texas. So I was like, man, I've never even heard of this in South Carolina. So I'm going to do it. So sure enough, came back, started doing much research. I bought two photo booths from a guy. Uh, kind of revamped them a little bit because I wanted them to have like an old school photo booth feel to them. A lot of them just kind of had a curtain mm-hmm. and they just didn't, they, I wanted it to like feel like a photo booth. Like on the boardwalk at yes. the beach or something. Like the that old kind school of, yeah. vintage photo booth, yeah. you know? So I started doing wedding shows, getting bookings. And the thing was, too, I asked at the wedding I was at, I asked them, I said, how much does it cost to rent one of these things? And they were like, oh, I think we paid 1800 bucks." <laughs> I was like, Unmanned. Dude. Um, there was somebody there. Just in case. Just in case. Ran out of photo paper or whatever. A glitch. Got a jam, Got something, it. you know, whatever. Make sure they're not tearing up the booth, I guess. Fair. Yeah. So I was like, man, there has got to be zero overhead hardly in this except for the film. Other than the initial cost of the booth, right? I'm like, dude's making 1800 bucks in a night. I'm like, that's a pretty dang good business. 
multiply it by two. I'm like, mm. man. So got two photo booths, started a business. Um, and then there's, I, I actually figured out too, there's ancillary products you could sell after that. So I got a website that I would host all the photos on. And so during the event, I would basically tell everybody, hey, you can go check these photos out on uh, gotsnap.com and you can buy more if you want to. You can have them put on a mug. You can buy a t-shirt. You can do whatever you want. And the company that I used was a third-party company that did all the printing. So I didn't do anything. I just basically went in there and set the prices. No inventory. No inventory, no shipping. I didn't do anything. They would, everybody would go and see the, the beauty of this too was that everybody that had fun that night would tell other friends about it or send them. They'd share those photos mm-hmm. like on Facebook. And it would say gotsnap.com right on the photo. Everybody wants to oh, look. Yeah. yeah, so people were going over there, checking it out. They'd go through and look through the whole parties, photos. You know, it was a, it was a, a good gig. And so there was ancillary products you could sell on the backside that you didn't have to do anything with. And the idea was that I was going to try to grow it. It was great, you know, side hustle money initially, but I felt like it could be grown too. You know, you add a photo booth, you get somebody to run it. Add a photo booth or license it, mm. right? You could basically license the GotStap name and the website and all the things that came with it. For somebody in Arkansas or wherever, whoever wanted to start one, you build the booth, you just send it to them. Mm-hmm. They pay you a premium per month, whatever. And then I handle all the back end. So that was kind of the idea with the whole thing. Part of what I realized, though, halfway through was it's a lot of work, like trading time for work. Like on Saturdays, typically when a wedding is on a Saturday. So You're work not all, on the lake. Right. I'd work all week, and then everybody's like, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Oh, well, I got a wedding I got to go to in Greenville. Whether it's rain, snow, right. shine. And if the wedding's at 6, yeah, I'm up early packing that stuff. Yeah. The hour drive, I got to be there two hours early to get it set up before they even get there. Six, hard work. Six o'clock rolls around. They party hardy all night long. Ten o'clock, the wedding ends. Everybody leaves. I'm packing that shit up and then driving mm-hmm. home. Right? And it was good money, but, man, it was I, I was working nonstop. And it was one of those things where I had that aha moment where it's like, man, I got to quit t- trying to trade time for money. And I actually hired some guys to run them, you know, but even them, they didn't want to be working on Saturday. Right. So it was, it was tough to get people in there all the time. We had a good time with it. So it goes back to what's the biggest re- thing. That really wasn't, it doesn't go big enough. That one was, well, it you're takes right. a lot it of was, work and time. Time for money, I think, was a gold nugget here. Right? Yeah. Are you willing to sacrifice you're right. your time? You're right, because that's one money. thing I, you know, YouTube taught me that, though. Right. YouTube really taught me, man, I can put in the time once, and then I can make. Over and over. Your, your content eight years ago is still relevant today still, and still getting views today still generating revenue that's right yeah and so that was like the aha moment on don't trade time for money at the time i didn't really get that yeah yeah at the time it was more of of i, this is, I can't how big can i make this mm-hmm. you know i'd have to have a ton of these things to really make a ton of money yeah you know through you know i guess licensing you could probably make it happen but yeah so let's talk about your youtube for a minute because that Started it, not was it a side hustle when you came up with the oh, YouTube definitely channel? a side hustle, yeah, yeah. And so you decided, hey, I'm already kind of doing this. Let's put a camera up and just record cop you doing this, yeah, thing. And well, what it was was I started a forum. That was my side hustle mm-hmm. back in 2007, eight, eight, nine, ten, eight. I guess mm-hmm. forums really big. Started a, a forum around the stuff that I enjoyed doing. 
um, was trying to promote that form. And at the time, you would just post videos on YouTube to host the video for the forum. You just use the embed code and you post it on the forum. People could watch it right there on the forum, but it was actually YouTube that they were right. watching. Right. And so that's the only reason I used YouTube for that. And then um, I was kind of trying to promote the forum. So I'd make these like little commercials and I'd put those on YouTube as well. And yeah, I started gaining some traction. Did you ever look at YouTube like a year in and go, man, I only got like 440 followers? Like, no, because followers wasn't really a thing back then. Mm. I mean, it was, but it, you didn't have YouTubers. There was no... Did you start the YouTube channel for the monetization or did you start it no. as, a, as a video hosting, uh, hosting site to promote commercials? That's exactly. It was, it was 100% of a video hosting site. So very much, I used to That's use... Crazy. I used that to use, uh, gosh, what was the name? Photo Bucket. Remember Photo Bucket? Barely. So Photo Bucket was a website very much like YouTube, but it was just for photos. And you would host them there, and then you could have an embed link, and you could put them. You just basically put that link within something else. It would read the code and show the photo. Because a lot of those other sites wouldn't allow you to host photos. You had to host them somewhere else. And so YouTube was that for me. I do remember that, because around that same time, we talked about starting another company. You remember this? No. <laughs> You're going to die. It was, show me your koozie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember and that. And it was all the people around the country. Like, koozies are a uh, consumable product. I don't know anybody that has the same koozie they had last summer. Yeah. Hardly. Was it going to be a forum? It was just going to be a platform for people What's wherever that? they were. I totally forgot about to that. To show, hey, show me your koozie. Yeah. And here's a snap of me and my koozie or just my koozie. Or yeah. I'm promoting the lawn care business or the yeah. the bar that I got the koozie at. It was just show me your so koozie. So that goes back com. to not don't thinking big enough. Not thinking big enough because we were right, obviously. It goes back to execution. Well, that too. But we weren't thinking big enough because what. Because we would have been the next. I'm going to tell you another, another, what's another business. I just thought of it that we. Oh, what was it? I, I've already lost it. Um, Gosh, it'll come back to me in a minute. Anyway. So. It, YouTube was a place to host videos right. initially. It went about subscribers. There was no like play button. There wasn't any monetization back then. It was just a free place to use to host videos. And then a couple of years in, you know, people would subscribe just so they could follow what you're mm -hmm. doing, I guess, if they were interested. But a couple of years in, then they introduced monetization. And I remember going in there, and I think I had, I don't know, I don't even know how many followers I had. It wasn't that many. I remember turning it on monetization portion this is before you had to be a partner this was like when they first came out with it i think google had just bought it i think the first month i made a hundred bucks or something you're like, like oh i like, just Man, made a hundred bucks i didn't even do nothing yeah. hundred bucks i didn't even do nothing so then months go by i'm still not looking at it as a business and it's kind of grown behind the scenes i didn't really look at it as a business business until I guess when me and Heather first started dating, I remember telling her, I was like, yeah, and this is like, this is big headed to me, but I remember like texting her one day. She was like, anything I don't know about you? I was like, well, I'm kind of semi-famous. <laughs> She's like, what? And so I like sent her a link to the YouTube, and I think at the time I had 8,000 subscribers, which, you know, at the time I thought I was- That's massive, 8,000. I, I thought I was doing something, right. but- And how many, do you, how many do you have today? Um, 310,000 maybe. Yeah. You were so, semi-famous to YouTube famous. Oh, I thought I'd made it at 8,000. Yeah, no doubt. Now, what's crazy about that is I thought I made it at 8,000. Now I feel like I'm nothing. 
at 300 at 300,000 yeah i look at these guys that are doing multi millions yeah. and i'm like man i don't know if i'll ever get there type of deal yeah. so anyway yeah gosh i wish i could remember what that business was that you had me on the koozie anyway so yeah i got to think big you got to put in the work. Got to put in the work, but also if you can find a business, a side hustle that you don't have to trade money, time for money, that's a good deal. Now, if you can front load it, which is what kind of what we're doing, we're not making anything doing this. Mm-hmm. The idea is that it's valuable to us because we can communicate back and forth on ideas and then yeah. leave here, you know, stimulated and whatnot. But maybe in the hopes that we're going to front load this and on the back end, we it will do something. Yeah, I remember being at the Google office. Uh, oh, yeah, that's you, right. You had invited me there because they were doing a YouTube. Uh, they just brought a, a bunch of, in that region, we were at the Google office in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm trying to think what they call that. Uh, almost like a think tank for YouTubers and how can we do this better or yeah. how can we help you make your content better. Yeah. And they paired us up with people that we didn't know all over the, the region. You had Lil Wayne? I had some 15-year-old kid. The Lil Wayne guy? The, he, he did. He was a beatboxer. Oh, really? And so he's 15 years old, and he was shy. I was like, so, um, I'm Jared. He's like, hello. I'm, I'm Brian. Oh, hey, Brian. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what, kind of you, what kind of YouTube channel you got? Um, I teach people how to beatbox. Like, no social skills. Yeah. And what's funny is, is he's typing, turns his laptop around, and hits play on his channel. He's like, What's up, guys? My name is Brian, and today we're going to do that. I was like, who the, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> who is that guy? It's hilarious. And he's like, yes, sir. That's me. I'm like, and he is making, at that time, this was probably 2013. Yeah. At that time, this kid in the 10th grade. Beatboxing. Was doing $1.8 million yeah. in revenue. Yep. Which goes back to. While his teachers are telling him. To look at colleges and yeah. don't figure out what you want to do. Do your, do your I, homework. He's making more than the entire administrative staff in that building yeah. put together. Yep. And which which goes much. back to like what we talked about with tubular music though and yep. the musicians. It's like it's not about how much you make on each sale. It's about how many sales you make. Right. And that's what that guy had in in his favor was that. He had a ton of eyeballs. That's right. Right. And, and I wish I could go back. I wish we could find this kid. I'll never remember his, his actual YouTube channel. What it was. But um, I'd love to ask him, when you started YouTube, did you go into it wanting to make money? Yeah. Or did you just, did this kid that had no social skills want to be somebody on the internet? Just beatbox. And he was good. Obviously, he yeah. was good at it. He was making a ton of money. He had his own little persona. He could do it. I, See, that's oh, yeah. one thing is a lot of people can do that in their private room behind the camera. If they don't yeah. like if they don't like what they do, they can not share it. That's right. But in public, you know, it's not as easy. So there's a bunch of that. I mean, we met a guy that I think the first year I went to that, I met a guy that his whole channel was him tearing up the streets on a motorcycle. He was like a moto vlogger. And this is when that first started. Mm-hmm. And they put a camera on their helmet and he'd ride wheelies through downtown Atlanta and jump curbs and mm-hmm. that was his whole channel. That's crazy. How much time is wasted by the viewers <laughs> non-valid yeah. content know, that will right? gain anything? Like uh, car crash compilation. Man, to get yeah. me on one of those channels and I'm going to waste 30 minutes of my day watching yeah. tractor trailers and hit, you just, you just hit made, pylons and stuff. You just made them like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I even let the second ad that you can skip play. Just, just Because I know they need that extra 20 cents. You're welcome. 
You're, that's what, that's what you tell you're welcome. Yeah. That's right. You're welcome. I could have hit skip, but uh, I didn't. So anyway, I guess the takeaway on this is think big. Put in, put in the work. Put in the work. Think big. You got to put in the work. That's, that's, no, that's going to happen no matter what. But if you're going to put in the work, I guess the idea is make sure it's going to be something that's big enough yeah. to sustain you. And then if you can figure out something where you have to put in the work, even if it's more work initially, but in the long term, it's going to continually, it's not going to trade your time for money every day. Mm-hmm. You put in the work once and then you can basically take advantage of that forever. Mm-hmm. You can leverage that. I like it. Some good, good information. Right? And I would, I would also add, be passionate about, about whatever your yeah, side hustle is. That's right. If you're passionate about sales, go sell anything. Yeah. Right. If you're passionate about content creation, don't be scared to throw it out there. That's right. I yeah, mean, you won't last. It's hard to put in those hours when you when it sucks. Yeah, this is our episode number three, three or four, three. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, how many listeners do we have? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we had five. I'm like, yeah. Gosh, I wonder who those five people are. It's probably our friends. My mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. She, she shared it at church. Uh, yeah, probably. So, anyway, yeah, you got to be passionate about it. I mean, the thing Gotta is for passionate. us is it doesn't even matter that we have the microphone and that it's recording and all that stuff because we would have the same exact conversation if That's it wasn't right. for that. And we're not going, we didn't start this for monetization for sure. We started this because we're having these conversations already and it's relevant. For me, I want to think that we started this to watch us grow yeah. in the next five years. What's going to be yeah. super rad? Think about all these businesses that we talked about today. If we would have, if those would have been on a podcast, the tailgater app, the yeah. show me your koozie, show me your koozie, the, uh, you know, all of those, we did one, we looked at one that was like a scratch map thing or something. Remember? Yeah. Like you'd send somebody a picture and then you could wipe the picture away and have a map of where they took that picture at. We did look at yeah. that. Yeah. So anyway. I thought you were going to go scratch and sniff on the iPhone. No. There was another <laughs> business me and you talked about too. And we were pretty heavy and I can't remember what it is now. But anyway, if all those were recorded mm-hmm. and video, audio, think about how much fun it would go back It'd be to go back and listen to those. And that's what we kind of hope to get out of this, I think. Yeah. So cool. Thanks, man. My brother. Hey, stay tuned next week for a special guest that will be in the studio with us talking about something amazing. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed the highest rating podcast in the state of South Carolina. That's right. All right. Somebody come get me. Yeah. See y'all.